Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The Nightcap. It makes me regret that the Flyers are so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right. Right. Yes. Let's let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong I with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. Welcome into the nightcap. This is not Joe DiBiase. Derek Kramer here, filling in for the day, and alongside me is Kyle Powell. And we're here taking you up to 8.40. And then 8.45, we have coverage of Sharks, Avalanche, Game 7. Can we get some more playoff overtime hockey? Sure, let's do it. Can it be in one of the series where I actually don't have an emotional stake and something can actually happen that I'm not going to really have to hate the result like I have in the entire Eastern Conference? Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, (laughs) It would be nice to be able to... uh, to see a game and watch it and not have to flip out about like, oh God, is Boston going to win again? I hate I hate seeing Boston win all the time. What about Carolina? You know, are you still salty about 2006? St. Louis, that pick is now free falling. A loss by the Blues yesterday could have made a ten pick difference, but at the same time, I wasn't about to cheer for Dallas. And it is making me think this series so peaceful. The question for me that I would like to ask, and you know, we'll kick it off right away, 803-0551-888-552-550, what's your worst-case scenario for the Stanley Cup final as a Sabres fan? Because right now, for me, three of these teams are just vomit. Whoever wins in Game 7 tonight is my go-to team for the Stanley Cup final. Please, for the love of Gord and everything that is holy hockey gods, please let either the Sharks or the Avalanche, go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And win. No pressure here. Because I would hate to see Boston get yet another championship, even though the Celtics, by the way, could be knocked out of the NBA playoffs tonight as well. Carolina, I mean, I don't think I have to say anything more other than 2006. I'm still salty. I'm still bitter about the fact that the Sabres were down to their 10th defenseman in the organization. And... It took that and seven games for Carolina to go ahead and sneak by you. And Cam Ward, by the way, was also garbage after his rookie season. Why is that falling Carolina then? Because they won it. Right, but it was no fault of their own that they won it. I mean, a good it's, fortune, yeah. It's that it happened against us. Kind of like how no goal happened against us, which is why I couldn't ever bring myself to cheer for Dallas, even though it would affect the Sabres pick. There's a really cool rewinder. YouTube video on that entire I don't want to watch it. You should. No. It'll help you cope. No. Derek, it's been 20 years. It's just pain. Derek, it has been 20 years. Yes, and I was a child sitting there signing a petition about no goal in 1999. I don't want it. I couldn't cheer for Dallas last night. Couldn't do it. 
Because, yes, I don't care if the pick just fell 10 spots. Well, first off, hit on your dang picks, for the love of God. And second off, more importantly, I will never bring myself to cheer for the Dallas Stars for anything ever in their entire lifetime in existence. That had a Vegas Golden Knights, San Jose Sharks feel. The deeper you got into that game, the Tomash Hurdle game-winning goal. Right. Midway through that series where San Jose was getting outshot like 58-29. to 29. Mm-hmm. When I saw some of the stats driving home last night, that Dallas had one shot in the second period and three in the third period. And over that time, we're getting outshot 31-4. to four. By the time they got to overtime and into the second overtime, it was like 50-24. to 24. It just felt that we've seen this script before. It happened two weeks earlier, and it was going to be one fluky goal when these teams hadn't seen the back in the net since the first period that all of a sudden you were going to see Dallas get something weird. But it ended up paying off the hometown boy. Sending the Blues to the Western Conference Finals, too. Yeah, that was and, really cool. And that was pretty cool that Patrick Maroon was the one to send St. Louis to the Conference Finals and that, you know, the uh, and it happened to be against fellow St. Louis uh, native in goaltender Ben Bishop. So that made it even cooler was the wrinkle that the goaltender also was from St. Louis, and it's Maroon versus Bishop there, and there it is. Bam. So what is your worst Stanley Cup Finals matchup? That's what I would like to ask you today. I cannot ever bring myself to cheer for the Boston Bruins. As a matter of fact, I will shamefully admit that I cheered for the Maple Leafs in the first round to upset Boston. That is how much I hate Boston. I hate the Bruins. Brad Marchand needs to just go away forever. And it just, I'm sick of the Boston Bruins. I'm really sick of the Boston Bruins. I cannot wait for the day that they finally fall off a cliff. Kind of like how I can never wait for the day to uh, see the New England Patriots fall off a cliff. Oh, hey, that's a Boston team as well. The Boston Celtics only have the most championships in NBA history. And the Red Sox just won, and you know what? To heck with them, too. Yes, I know I have a problem. No, I'm not going to deal with it. And then there's Carolina, who is coached by Rob Brendamore, who has at one point scored a dubious goal against the Sabres in Sabres history, by the way. And he was part of that 2006 team. So I don't really have any love to show for uh, for Rob Brendamore. I'm good there. The only thing that saves me with Carolina is that they are upsetting Don Cherry to the point where it's actually hilarious. That's the one thing the Carolina Hurricanes have going for them is that they are the bunch of jerks. And I just love seeing how upset they make Don Cherry, even though he says, they look ridiculous. Dude, you're wearing a blazer with a bunch of stormtroopers on it. That's the latest on what you did. You were you talking about would. how stupid they look when I have to point out, oh, hey, dude, you are wearing some very bright and flashy blazer, as you always do. I think, you know, glass house, don't throw stones. Is that going to ever sink in there, Don? No? Okay, fine. I'm just going to let you be salty and laugh at you because I don't have much to cheer for with these NHL playoffs right now. I could see you rocking a Stormtrooper suit. I would, but then I wouldn't go ahead and say that someone else looks ridiculous because I know that would be the pot calling the kettle black. Who's to say you'd look ridiculous? I'm just saying I wouldn't because other people would say that. Mm. It's about perception. Don't be a hypocrite. And yes, I would absolutely rock a Star Wars blazer and matching suit. You better bet that. Texer says Carolina Dallas would be the ultimate awful Stanley Cup for Sabres fans. Thank God Dallas is out. I would agree. That was probably a doomsday matchup there. 
But for me, I think my hatred of Boston knows no bounds that I'm actually going to pull for Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, I know. I almost threw up when I when I said that. But at the same time, it's really just because I am sick of seeing Boston teams winning. So that's really all it is for me, is that sort of thing. The St. Louis Blues are a very odd team. I don't think I have to hate them anymore, though. How much further does the pick fall? It's a grand total of three picks. Yesterday was the big one. First round was a big one. They got through both of those. So now, I guess it really doesn't matter if I, if I don't want the Blues to win the Cup. Because what's the worst that happens now? It just drops another three spots from 28 to 31. Oh, well. Crap. So I think I'm going to revise my statement. I'm going to say go Western Conference. St. Louis and either the Sharks or Avalanche. I don't care. Just please don't let it be Boston. Please, please don't let it be Boston. And also, don't let it be Carolina either. Yet one of them is going to be playing for the chance to lift the cup. If Colorado makes it tonight, then I am putting money on them to go through the Western Conference Final and make the cup. I'm going for it. I could be for that, yeah. Because if they make the cup, they are the only team in NHL history of teams that have made it to multiple cups to never lose. Ooh, so you'd be betting with good history there. With good history. Yes, I see that and I agree with that. But we still got a round to go. We still have a round to go. They still have to get through Game 7 tonight, as a matter of fact. On the road. Can't go in with that winning history if you don't make it. On the road in the Shark Tank, which each game I watch, it's so fun. It just that pulls series. me in more and more. Then I just got to go there. That series is fast and loose for the most part. Oh yeah, and I love it. It's got a lot of skill. It's got probably I would say in comparison to the other series that had just happened this round, probably the most collective offensive talent. You've got that Colorado line of Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabriel Landeskog. That was amazing all throughout the year. Yeah, Rantanen, four. Sorry, continue. Rantanen is a gem, and Nathan McKinnon does not get talked about enough. He seriously is one of the best players in the NHL, and he does not get enough hype. Nope. And then there's the San Jose Sharks, where you've got Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Joe Thornton is still putting up points at his age, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, part of one of the best defensive cores when it comes to being able to put up numbers for you. I mean, defending-wise, they aren't the greatest, but that defense is scary about how they can roll two pairs out there that are just genuinely dangerous. They were the first team in the decade, in a decade, too, to have four 30-goal scorers. And there you go. Since the 08-09, Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, uh, yeah, let's talk about the Flyers again, <laughs> why don't we? <sighs> Get out of here. Only one, only one. Of those four goal scorers tripped me up. When I let, I had to look it up. Oh yeah, I thought I knew four. Oh, I you're talking four. about the Philadelphia team, yeah. aren't you? I am. Can you name them? No. What? I'm just gonna go ahead and say I don't really care much about the Flyers. Oh my lord! As a matter of fact, Sabres fans tend to hate the Flyers. No, no, we've been over that. We've been over this. It's dying. It's a dying. It's a dying. It's dying. Rivalry. But I'm also kind of in that middle ground with my age. Hmm. So I still have some sort of lack of... How dare you fool us into signing Billy Leno? Is that where you sit? Yes. Well, that's just not right. 
They also beat us in a playoff series, <laughs> so I can be mad about that too. In their most recent playoff series. And then for further dagger stabbing, the Sabres signed Billy Lano off their team. That'll show you. Yeah. They got us twice there. We got got. Double got. But the Stanley Cup playoffs are not the only type of hockey that we're going to be talking about here tonight as well. Obviously, the big news coming out about Pagula Sports Entertainment handing back ownership of the Buffalo Buttes to the NWHL. A lot of strife with the uh, with the Women's League as there was a boycott from over 200 female players saying that they will not play in any professional league in North America. And this also coming with the sudden collapse of the CWHL. We're going to talk with Lindsay D'Arcangelo of The Athletic about everything going on surrounding the Buttes with the state of women's hockey, the NWHL, and more. And we'll probably ask her what the worst-case scenario is for her for the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. This is the Nightcap. You're listening here on WGR. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, intern Marcos Watkins. We're all getting the work in for you. Lindsay Darkangelo of The Athletic coming up next right here on the Nightcap. Welcome back to the Nightcap here. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, Marcos Watkins, our intern, helping out along behind the scenes as well. And... Some of the bigger news today locally around hockey was about the NWHL, the Buffalo Buttes, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, essentially handing back the ownership to the NWHL of the Buffalo Buttes, back to the league. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. We're going to dive into this, what it means for the Buttes, what it means for the NWHL, and what it means for women's hockey going forward on the Western Hotline. Lindsay Darkangelo of The Athletic joining us now. Lindsay, what's going on? Hey guys, how are you doing? Not too bad. How about yourself, Lindsay? I'm doing pretty good. Lots of uh, lots of news going on today in women's hockey. Yeah, it was it was a strange thing because I, I remember I had messaged you earlier on in the week saying, "Hey, you know, if you want to stop over for the podcast to to do a hit with us." And then today, this goes ahead and blows up and boils over. So of course we had to have you on to talk about this, Lindsay. The big thing there, obviously, being that you know, Pagula. Sports and Entertainment, they give up control of the Buttes back to essentially what was the state of the team in their first year when it was run by the league, right? Yeah, and I think that's important to note because I've seen a lot of people assuming that because the Pagulas gave the ownership back um, that there would be no Buttes franchise, and that's not the case. Uh, when the NWHL first started in 2015, the the league ran uh, the Buttes franchise, and the Pagulas took over ownership. It, it said that, you know, that it's reported that they bought them. There was no money uh, ex- that was uh, exchanged. The uh, Pagulas pretty much took over all financial um, obligations for running the franchise in 2017, at the end of 2017, actually. So they've uh, they've been running the team just sort of uh, two years now, and um, they just essentially gave it back to the league. So, you know, business as usual as far as that goes. Uh, so there will be still be a, a franchise in Buffalo. I think that's important to clear up. And that's actually, like, you know, that's pretty good news because of the fact that, you know, with Buffalo, they've had the second highest attendance this past year in the NWHL. There are fans that are passionate about this team and the organization and everything about women's hockey. And if you go to Harbor Center for one of these games, you'd be strangely amused by the amount of people in attendance for those things, for these games, because of the fact that, they are showing that they can put a quality product out there on the ice. And, you know, for straight championship game appearances, yes, it's a league of four, <laughs> but four, then five, but it's not like, 
it's easy to go ahead and win a title all the time. So it's still a pretty impressive thing that they've been able to do there. The biggest thing... Yes, and, oh, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I think what everything you mentioned is correct, and what the Blue essentially did was take it to the next level. I mean, they showed the players um, what it would be like to play for... Uh, like, just be treated like a professional. I, I can't tell you how many of the players that I talked to throughout the course of the season who just kept using that word. You know, they treat us like a professional. I feel like a professional. And they were shocked by it. So you have all these players, who, some who play on the Olympic team, you know, coming from college, top college programs who, for the first time, you know, in their lives being treated like a professional athlete on that level was something that I think was very eye-opening for a lot of them and played into the fact that they wanted, everyone on the boots wanted the other teams and other players in the league to have that feel. Um so, yeah, so what the Blues did was just kind of raise it to the next level. And like you said, lots of people in the stands. And, you know, if you go to Harbor Center, you, I have a video on my Twitter page just to show what a home game was like there. And it, it's incredible. And what's, what's the downside to this is that momentum that was created with this player boycott uh, could very well um, diminish. And, and we don't know what this upcoming season is even going to look like. So... Lindsay D'Arcangelo joining us on the West Her Hotline. Lindsay, you just mentioned it. It was something that I was going to talk about is the fact that the players did, did speak highly of the Pagula's role in the NWHL, how they would treat their athletes, whether it was facilities or even some reports about assistance with housing in Buffalo and, of course, all the ice time that you can have with the two rinks there at Harbor Center. With Pagula Sports and Entertainment out now, is it is it outlandish to say, though, that the NWHL might have lost the ownership group that teams would want to play for the most and probably one of their biggest motivators for what kind of team they would sign with if uh, with free agency. Well, yeah, and therein lies the problem. Uh, with with limited uh, financial means, what, what, what are these teams that the NWHL is going to put out on the ice going to look like? And you have a diminished player pool on top of that because you have 200 players who are have decided to sit out and not play at all. So you know, where are these players going to come from? What's, what's the team going to look like? Will the fans in Buffalo be as invested as they were with names like Falzer and uh, Haley Scamara and Shannon Zabados? Like, what is, what is that going to look like going forward? So, so therein lies one of the problems. But um, I think what, as I said before, as far as opening the players' eyes, I think that played into their part of saying, you know what, now's the time to do this because we want, a league that functions like how the Buttes uh, functioned. And with that, it, it becomes all that more important for these players to hold out for that sort of treatment because of the fact that they were playing on paltry salaries and not even playing with health insurance as professionals. It's it's a little troubling to see those kinds of details. With the Pagulas kind of backing off for now, how important is it going to be for the NWHL in particular to get another kind of a leader like that, like that had the role of Kim Pagula, being able to be extending such an amount of resources and facilities for these players, and how important is it going to be to get the new leadership role for them going forward in order to succeed? Yeah, and I wish I could give you some more insight as, as far as what the NWHL, you know, further plans are. As of right now, they're pretty much saying, you know, we're going forward as business as usual, Um they, they 
They are still planning on expanding the league. As I said, I'm not really sure where the players are going to come from. But um, yeah, I, I'm not really I'm not really sure where their influx of cash is going to come from. I know the the NHL um, ponied up more money than they had uh, previously as part of this new deal they have. But you know, I I want to throw something out there. There, curiously, I wonder if the Pagulas and the NW Child didn't have some sort of agreement in place or have come to an agreement where the Pagulas uh, readily gave back the franchise because of what's coming down the pipe, whether or not that involves NWHL in a more uh, expanded role in the league it has is yet to be seen. But, you know, it was a mutually beneficial uh, agreement for the Pagulas to relinquish ownership. And uh, you, you can't help but wonder if there's a bigger picture here that we're not yet uh, made privy to. So what you might be suspecting is that it's not goodbye for the Pagulas and the Buttes, but it might just be, we'll be back? Yeah, in the short term, um, because they have always been invested in women's hockey. They, they've operated at a loss this year. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the truth. And what they had always said is they were investing in the future of women's hockey. They, they saw the, the, the payoff down the road and the growth of the sport. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was a short-term move for the benefit of the league, for the benefit of the sport, and then maybe they'll jump back in down the road. And hopefully that being the case about the fact that, you know, it was a mutually agreed thing because I would suspect that it could have made PSE look a little bit like they're on the bad side of things, that they're backing out, oh, just because these players are boycotting, now they're going to pull the cord on that. Do you think that the optics with Pagula Sports Entertainment aren't looking that positive in regards to this? Well, I think initially when the news broke, yeah. Um, I heard a lot of people, you know, just in my, my Twitter comments saying, you know, why would they do that? And, you know, I guess it you know, wasn't financially viable, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you read, if you took time to read the news release, you know, the Bagula said, you know, we are, we are invested in, in the long-term growth of the sport, which, you know, and it is as well as, they, as well as they treated their players, I just have a hard time believing that they would just, you know, kind of slough it off. Um, I, think, I think that when you talk to players and, and if you go to their different Twitter pages and stuff, and even in an article that was on, that's on the Athletic Buffalo page uh, today, just in doing a little bit more of a wider look into this with the views players, Shannon, Zavados, um, Falzer, they came out and said, we loved playing for the views. We were treated so good. We want everybody to know how well we were treated because this is what we want. This is the bar that has been set. And so, you know, it's like a catch-22. You treat your, your, your players so well, you know, you treat them how they should be treated, but then they realize, you know what, we deserve this across the board. And whether that or not that was a catalyst for the boycott, I happen to think it, it was in the end. Um, you know, it's, it's just move forward and, and go from here. The players are taking a calculated risk, and um, how that's going to play out right now is anyone's guess, unfortunately. It is un- it's an unfortunate story for, for not just you know fans of the Buttes and, of course, the players themselves, but pretty much all of women's hockey it, suffering a, a massive dent here on this one because of the fact that you know there are cities that have been supporting what has been going on here. And with the Buttes in particular, it is a team and an organization that has been run smoothly. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt to see that. And, of course, the impact of you know, young women growing up that – you know, watch these games and they have the influence on them that they can play hockey and they can 
you know, make a difference athletically and be a part of something special. I mean, heck, I remember the uh, the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang when it's an o- it goes overtime, it goes shootout between U.S. and Canada, and I remember I'm staying up until 2 a.m. I'm like, I am not leaving until this shootout is done, until the U.S. has won. And then they actually did. So it was actually a really enlightening <laughs> thing. And, and, of course, then Zabados comes over and we're like, oh, wait, that was the one that got juked out in the shootout, right? Let's not say anything about that. Now she's in Buffalo. So, and speaking on Zabados, that was the top grossing player in jersey sales. So she has mm-hmm. quite an influence on a lot of these things, you know, with the name recognition and what she has done in women's hockey that it really is something to uh, to take hold of and really speculate what they might try to be able to do from there. My que- my last question for you is the NHL. Gary Bettman saying that it seems that both of both the CWHL when it was still up and running and the NWHL are not financially capable of really having that long term success. But he's going to stay back and have the NHL stay back until it seems that one or both are pretty much evaporated mm-hmm. yeah I, I i'm not really sure where the nhl is going to go with this uh, they have an opportunity to do the right thing whether or not they will remains to be seen i know a lot of players feel as though um or the rumor there are rumors and players have been quoted saying that you know this is trying this might be a move to try and force their hand um you know put up or shut up kind of a thing and there are so many sides to this derek um Good and bad sides, you know, it's good what the players are doing at the same time. Players with less recognition, players who look to come out of college and use the NWHL as a stepping stone um, or just to get more um, visibility, just to continue to play, uh, can will possibly lose out. Um, you have places like Minnesota and Buffalo where that momentum we were talking about earlier just might might fizzle depending on how what happens as we go forward. So there's a lot at play here, and and you know I hope I hope the NHL does the right thing, and I I hope that they help if if they if they if they have the means if they if they want to step in and, and like I said put up or shut up. I hope that they do, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, that's kind yeah, of this is Gary Bettman we are talking about. Yes. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens from here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. There, like you said earlier about watching the um, the Olympics, there is an audience for women's hockey. There is an audience. I've seen it. I know a lot of there's a lot of naysayers out there, but I've witnessed it. And there's so much potential there that the players just want to capitalize on, and I don't blame them. All right, so Lindsay, we'll go to a, a more lighthearted topic here. And speaking <laughs> on the NHL, we'll continue on this. I kind of, heading into today's show, I was thinking about what the heck am I going to talk about? Oh, wait, that's right. I hate how the NHL playoffs have unfolded because most of the teams that are still alive, I just genuinely hate or have to have a reason to hate. I mean, I'm happy that Dallas lost, but I'm also not happy that Buffalo's pick fell 10 spots in the draft at minimum. So I'm going to ask you, what is the, what's your doomsday scenario, your worst case scenario for the Stanley Cup Finals with five teams left and after tonight, the last four? You're going to laugh, Derek, but I have not been paying attention to, uh, <laughs> for, to NHL hockey at all. At all. Um, 
I've been kind of wrapped up in the NWHL stuff that's been going on, uh, a little bit of uh, NBA playoffs and everything. And since the Sabres have been kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, done back, back, <laughs> back, what we want to say, like Christmas, um, I just haven't been paying attention. And, you know, as, as a sports writer, I probably should be, but. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I couldn't give you a good solid opinion on that. You're well, not, you're just gonna have to allow me to help yeah. you then. Boston, Carolina, <laughs> and St. Louis are through San Jose, Colorado tonight for Game Seven. So who do you, who do you want me to pick? Do I coin here. <laughs> I would. I, yeah, the Eastern Conference is pretty much a lose lose for me. I mean, Boston yeah. and Carolina. I have enough reasons to hate both of those teams. St. Louis, the Sabers pick is at stake there, but. You know what? At this point, I can be over it. I'm, I'm basically at go San Jose or Colorado. You know what? And I'll just I'll just follow your lead there. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'll go San Jose or Colorado. Actually, why not Colorado? I've always liked Colorado. There we go. So there's your best case scenario. So, Lindsay, thank you for taking the time, though. Uh, I'm so happy you had me on, Derek, because, you know, there's there a lot of questions running around this, and I hope that I was able to clear some stuff up and, and get some information out there um, just to, you know, get the word out. And, you know, contact me anytime, and I will gladly, um, gladly try to help uh, figure this out as we move along here. And as those details come out, where can the people find your work? So yeah, I write for the Athletic. I'm the, obviously the the Buttes. I cover the Buttes and other Buffalo sports at uh, the Athletic Buffalo, and also at Twitter that's DarkAngel21. And uh, yeah. All right, Lindsay. Thank you for taking the time. Awesome. That was Lindsay Darkangel of the Athletic joining us on the West Her Hotline for today's show about the NWHL, about the Buffalo Buttes, and about what has kind of looked like a little bit of a collapse in the state of women's hockey after the CWHL folded. And it looked like, as of a couple weeks ago, we were looking at potential expansion from the NWHL, and now we're looking at player boycotts and the Pagulas backing off of the NWHL and the Buffalo Buttes as of right now. So it's not a great state of matters for women's hockey at the moment. However... We'll see what happens as that story develops because it does involve something around here. So I feel like there needs to be credence to it being a part of tonight's show. 803-0551-888-552-550. There's still plenty to talk about here today, and it could be general things. If you're still hyped about the Bills draft class and everything like that, the Bills um, actually... Chopin Bulldog were talking about this today according to a gambling website that the Bills had a 7-1 to odds on the AFC East. That's the first kind of real national optimism that you're seeing surrounding the Bills for a while, in addition to how the offseason has gone with free agency and the draft and a lot of hype coming around. How are you feeling about the Bills? How you feel about the Sabres and the coach watch and everything like that? They signed R2 Rootsalainen today. Is that the evil twin of Ristolainen? We don't know. Or is Ristolainen the evil twin? Perhaps. Who knows? 803-0550, phones open to you, including what is the worst-case scenario for you in the Stanley Cup Finals? Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're here on the nightcap. Jody Biasi has the night off. Hope you're relaxing, bud. This is WGR. I think he'd be ready to go. That's my personal opinion. I do. But I think he has that capability. Obviously, with any young guy, whether or not it's Daniel or whoever you have, 
I think you have to uh, make sure that those guys, you give them, you find out what they can do best and get them on the field doing that to start with and then go from there. But I think he's got that capability. Anyway. Welcome back to the Nightcap here. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell laughing in the control room because he just played back Mike Shula talking about Daniel Jones being capable of starting week one if needed for the New York Giants. You know what that means? Week two better be a win for the Buffalo Bills if that's the case. Are you kidding me? Daniel Jones. I still, I'm still baffled by that pick, and I still love it, and I still get to laugh at Dave Gettleman. So that is always a beautiful thing. About an hour from now, by the way, we have pregame coverage starting at 8.45 for the Sharks and Avalanche, Game 7. News on that coming actually just recently. Joe Pavelski taking warm-ups for San Jose, and the Sharks will determine if he's in or out for Game 7. And Pavelski suffered a nasty head injury that would result in one of the craziest sequences in playoff hockey where... They scored four power play goals in five minutes. Dude, I still watch that when I'm bored. That's the still, highlights of that like, damn game. Like I awesome. love, I love how Vegas Golden Knight fans are salty about this. First off, welcome to your first heartbreak, your first real heartbreak, I should say, because I mean, losing in five games to the Caps last year wasn't really much of a heartbreak. It was, oh, cool, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's a rite of passage. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. Welcome to the pain train. You got put onto the tracks. Also. You gave up four goals in five minutes. Yes, you were shorthanded, but teams kill off major penalties sometimes, or maybe they only allow one goal. So deal with it. None of us are feeling bad for you there, Golden Knights fans. So Joe Pavelski taking warm-ups for the Sharks for Game 7 between San Jose and Colorado tonight. 9 o'clock face-off. You'll be able to hear that right here on WGR. Last segment, we talked about the NWHL. The Pagulas giving up ownership back to the league of the Buffalo Buttes, back to the NWHL, and everything about that. It's already on demand. Kyle doing a great job there as we talked with Lindsey D'Arcangelo of The Athletic for more on that. So that's already making the rounds on the internet. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. I have posed a question. First off, it's open floor. Anything you want to talk about today, I'm game. Let's do it. Let's have fun tonight. Why not? Because I don't do this very often, so why not just have fun with it? If you have anything about the Bills, anything about the Sabres, how much you're hating the fact that Ryan O'Reilly is going to the conference finals, for example, or how the Sabres pick dropped 10 spots in one night, or how Boston and Carolina are your Eastern Conference final, what is the worst-case scenario for you in the Stanley Cup finals? Jonathan Alden starting it off. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, man? Hey, Derek. Thanks for the show. Um. First, I want to say um, so two things. Um, first thing I want to say about this worst-case scenario for the Stanley Cup Finals, um, the, I, I don't really have a problem with any team in the West. Um, it could maybe Ryan O'Reilly because of St. of St. Louis, but at this point, I'll be okay with any team in the West winning it. Winning it. The East, I mean, I hate Carolina because of 2006, but if I had to choose between them or Boston, I'd rather have them because Boston's won enough championships with their division, like, enough already. And about the Bills, like, that's about the Buffalo Bills and those 7-1 odds. Um, I keep going back and forth on that. I mean, I'm kind of surprised it's that high. I mean, part of me can understand why there's a lot of optimism here. Brady lost Gronkowski. He's 42 years old and regressing. But it's just so hard for me to envision them winning the division as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are there. I really hope they prove me wrong, but 7-1 odds does seem a bit high to me. Yeah, it does seem a little bit high. Thanks for calling, Jonathan. I, and, again, as for, the, as for the cup thing, I mean – 
I can get on more on that in a bit. But this Bills thing, it's pretty interesting how how the odds look for them, and you're getting to see nationally that you know the eyebrow is up a little bit from national pundits and the betting odds as well. That Buffalo is actually getting a little bit of respect there. The, they're the only team that got zero primetime games, zero night games for the upcoming season, but at the same time, there is some strange feeling about the Bills' offseason and what they've done to address the entire offense, to go after everything in the draft that they did, getting Ed Oliver to follow them at pick nine, and still coming out with an impressive draft class after that because it's not always just about one pick. Obviously, we don't know what happens with the draft class until they take the field, but what they've done in free agency in the draft, it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? It makes you feel nice about what the Bills are doing lately. Gary and Kenmore, you're up in the nightcap here. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, um, you know, first of all, for the NHL playoffs, then I'll get to what I really want to get to. Um, you cannot root for Carolina or Brad Marchand. So, See, that's a pickle, right? Yeah, it's just horrible. The winner of tonight's game is easy to root for. Colorado is where we would like to be with, you know, mm-hmm. it's a great line. That's a very good young line they have. And, the, and, and you know, Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski, Pavelski would be very hard to root against, you know. Um, so I like the winner of tonight's game, uh, and I can't root for Dallas just for, you know, one major reason. But, um, uh, well, actually, two. They're Dallas and, uh, and obviously, uh, 1999. But the, the, the main reason I called, and you said nothing's off limits, I know it's a week old, but I hate this tailgate village thing, and I'll tell you. Ooh, yeah, let's talk about that. I, I hate this with a passion. You know, Buffalo tailgating has started to make bucket lists. Like, just a tailgate, not even go to the game. Just go tailgate at a Bills game. I hate this leagues and this, and all of sports' mentality of that they have to entertain you and they have to have a fan experience. Do you, do you know how bad the atmosphere is at Sabres games the past eight years? It's so artificial. It's so contrite. There's people there that don't care about the game that are just, you know, it's, you know, I'm back to the odd days when everybody stood and the place was just rocking. The, the stadium still does that. Stop dumb. You know what really promotes your, your team? Win games. Okay? Nothing promotes your team better than winning games. Stop trying to control everything. You know? So, it, so there's a couple idiots that break tables or get squirted with ketchup or whatever. You know, this whole mentality of this country that's ever you know that everything can be legislated and controlled is just ludicrous you know the buffalo tailgating experience is an experience leave it alone the the sabers need something i don't know what it is but you go to a game and honestly you know if we're losing halfway through the third period the place is empty there's no noise no one stands up no one knows what the score is the next day it's just you've turned that into a train wreck with not winning just stop trying to broken. Gary, thanks for the take, man. And uh, there's a lot to take in there. I'll start with uh, I'll start actually with the Sabers on your on your call there. Honestly, I think the word that you're looking for is jaded. That's how a Sabers in-game experience is right now. The fans are jaded. They are sick of seeing anything else other than a winning product. And you even saw it halfway through this year when they were the top team in the league, and the fans are getting excited again. Everything's going crazy at the arena, and you're seeing that signs of life from the fan base. Because you'd see the pre-cheer to a game-winning goal, for example. The Montreal game. I'll never forget that one when Jeff Skinner scores in overtime. You hear the roar as you knew that puck was going in. And then 
the confirmation roar where it's, where the sound just escalates to a whole nother level. We had a spark of that. And that proves the point, Gary, that you said winning cures all when it comes to an environment. As for Talgate Village, Nate Geary and I kind of discussed this a little bit on Saturday this past week. And one of the big things that I kind of started thinking about was you're kind of you're kind of just pouncing on people that are out of towners coming in for games because this is for the bus lot in the stadium. You're kind of preying on them for the likes of you know, people that are coming in from out of town or they don't have a designated driver, but they also want to get back home responsibly. And you immediately are charging them just for stepping foot in the parking lot. And I think that that's not cool for me. I'm not a real big fan of what that is. I am all for trying to, you know, improve the experiences and everything like that. But I'm not for just trying to take advantage monetarily of of something that Buffalo does. Tailgating has become one of those things that Buffalo is getting known for, for better or worse. I mean, I'd rather the team be known for having a sick offense and contending with the Patriots for the AFC East. But that's not what we have right now, and that it is what it is. However, you don't have to go ahead. You don't have to go making money on that. Yeah, I get that some of your claims are that it's for safety. Look, people are going to go ahead and do stupid things no matter what. Those are on your outside lots that you have no control of and no real jurisdiction over. To have to charge money, though, to step foot off of a bus into the bus lot, that's not cool to me. I'd rather you not deal with that. I would rather you not go ahead and take money out of people's pockets just for extra money out of people's pockets just for wanting to go to the game because of circumstance. We'll take one more call on this before the break. John, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, man? Hey there. Good morning. I really don't care who wins the cup. I don't hate Ryan O'Reilly. He didn't trade himself uh, on that. And I like Evander Kane. As long as it's not the Bruins, but I made a deal that as long as the Bruins knocked off the Leafs, I'm okay with it. Anyway, on that piggyback on that guy here said that the Bills are trying to be controlling with the tailgate village. The problem is, drive down the 190 or 290. There's four or five billboards that say, if you're hurt, give me a call. That's the problem. When that guy jumps off his RV onto the table and breaks his neck, he sues the Buffalo Bills. And that's why they have to control it. I'll hang up and listen, guys. And, John, that's actually a fair counterpoint to it. And it's probably one of the main reasons that they ended up doing that in the first place is to kind of cover their own tracks. It's just it's unfortunate that it is something that – that does end up happening. It's just, you know, a few jackasses ruin it for everyone else and everything like that, where the next thing you know. <laughs> John's more where I fell. As soon as I saw this news come down, I knew exactly that that's probably where this decision was coming from. But but most of that, most of those antics, though, don't tend to happen on the team's lots. That is the other thing. Right, but at, at one point, are you just going to nitpick which lot is which? Are you going to relegate someone over here are you going to negate certain acts in this lot but it's over it's okay it's, in this it's lot either they can or they can't over there a lot of it happens on private lots not the bill's property therefore you can't sue the team for it so that's where it ends up standing is that you want to cover your tracks for table smashing i get that it just still doesn't but there good. are responsible people that don't want to drink and drive or there are people that are coming in from out of town that want to take in the game they're the ones that suffer out of this 
It's really kind of like a nobody wins scenario here, except for pocketbooks. You can, you can control what happens on your lots without having to charge people money too. There's a way to do it both ways for me. So that's where I'm a little sour on it. But that is what it is, unfortunately. You never go to the games anyway. You're always sitting here next to me. No, I'm here before you. I'm here before the crack of dawn. I never said you got here the same time I did, but you're here. I'm actually probably the first person talking to tailgaters on game days. From where are you, where are you talking to them from? Here. Oh. I will throw a pen at you. Because it's the only thing I have in my hands. It's just you, me, and this brick wall you built between us. It's a glass wall! Doesn't really fit the quote. 803-0551-888-552-550. We got about 40 minutes or so left of the nightcap here tonight before Sharks and Avalanche. That coverage starting at 845. This is the nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell. You're listening to WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 